And hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Locker Room. Happy New Year, everyone. It's great to have you here on the podcast. Uh, we took last week off for the holidays in between Christmas and New Year, but we're delighted to be back with you today. And uh, we have a very special guest uh, on the podcast today. He's a man who's uh, been at Northeastern for a long, long time doing their radio on the Northeastern Huskies radio network. A very good friend of all of ours, Rob Rudnick. And Rob, Happy New Year to you. It's, it's great to have you on. And how many years have you been at Northeastern? Uh, John, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be part of your podcast and uh, wishing you and your family a very happy and healthy new year. I think uh, I stopped counting at 40 years. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a while. And uh, you're catching up to me. Congratulations on the, the long time now you've been working with Merrimack. Well, you know, I'll never catch up to you, that's for sure. But uh, as long as you're doing games, you know, the league is so much better off. And, and we can't thank you enough for being here today. And I thought, Rob, we'd just take a little uh, trip around hockey and we'll talk about what's going on uh, in the game right now. And maybe we'll have a few uh, strolls down memory lane. But I guess, Rob, the big topic that we're all dealing with right now is the pandemic and its effects on college hockey and uh, the effects that it's had on all of us personally. You know, it goes back to last uh, spring when the Hockey East tournament was canceled and then subsequently the national tournament. And uh, you can't really underscore, Rob, how, uh, how much this pandemic has affected our great game. It has. You know, we, if we think about things we're fortunate for, it would be our health and our safety would be right at the top of the list. And I know the, the uh, schools are interested in the, uh, taking care of the student athletes and uh, precautions wherever possible. And that's why we have so many protocols in place for this year. It's unfortunate that fans can't attend games. However, hopefully they are listening and watching wherever possible. And uh, at least as far as we're concerned in here in the Northeast with Hockey East and the various schools, that there's there are some great opportunities to listen on the radio and to watch either on the internet or uh, on other uh, outlets so that uh, people can still be part of it, uh, the fans anyway, with that and the families of the players uh, without necessarily being in the arenas. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. You're absolutely right. The, uh, the uh, ways, ways that people can stay connected really seem like they're better now than ever before. But well, last year, of course, we lost the hockey's tournament and I know from my perspective, you know, Merrimack uh, did not qualify for the tournament last year. So we were disappointed that we didn't get in. But really, we were all profoundly disappointed that the tournament didn't happen. Uh, you know, when, when you found out what was going on with the cancellation of the tournament, uh, you know, how did it affect you and, and people at Northeastern? Well, I think they, like everyone else, they were disappointed because Northeastern was in the postseason. They were planning to go to UMass in Amherst for a playoff series, hockey series. And, uh, you know, uh, we're pretty much on the bus <laughs> ready to leave for what, what might've been as many as three games. And then, uh, you know, the wind out of the sails at that point. And it was so early in this, you know, in the pandemic and the fact that our lot, I don't think we realized how much our lives would change and what an impact it would have. Uh, a lot of people may have just treated it as, well, you know what? It's something we have to deal with right now. It's good. We're going to get better. We'll get through it and whatnot. The, the lingering aspect of it continuing nine and more months later 
um, you know, let's face it, it has been difficult. But as I say, it's all about getting through it and taking care of people's health. And uh, there'll, there'll be a Hockey East tournament again. There'll be a bean pot again, we hope. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. And I know on an individual level, it's affected a lot of people. I know that uh, uh, a lot of people get tested through the COVID. Pro- that's that's uh, something that you're involved with at Northeastern. And uh, really, you know, it's a good thing that the a lot of the schools are, are being on board and helping people stay healthy during this thing. Yes. You know, I, I'm fortunate that Northeastern asked me to, uh, if I'd like to continue to broadcast the games and if so i would have to be part of their testing program and boy i'll tell you john i think northeastern's campus might be one of the safest places around we go three days a week uh, to get tested and uh, in order to be eligible to participate in the program you know the players the coaches the the trainers and some support staff it's not that many people uh, and but i'm very fortunate to have been included in that and it's been an enjoyable uh, experience, albeit really different. You know, uh, I interview the coach most of the time over Zoom. I get a chance to talk with them on the phone. But the time with the players and the coaches around the locker room and in various parts of the, uh, these arenas uh, just before game time, it's just not part of our world these days. Yeah, and in fact, kind of a unique situation there in Northeastern, Rob. Initially, uh, Northeastern had a few games canceled at the beginning. And uh, then, you know, Northeastern was able to, you know, convince everybody that, hey, you know, we're, we're okay. We don't have, we don't have the, the cases that other schools do. Unfortunately, you guys opened up and started playing. Right. And there were some issues around other programs at Northeastern, too. They have a lot of sports there. And, uh, you know, if one person tests positive or has, or if there's someone close to a person that, that there's a positive test, they, have to take precautions and and with the ultra safety and that's what northeastern did uh, but fortunately uh, the men's hockey program has been really good and these players i'm sure you notice it at merrimack they are just so anxious they were practicing forever and they wanted to play games they wanted the competition this is what they were there for and it worked out at least so far anyway it seems like northeastern's on a bit of a run here where games have been scheduled one thing we do have to look out for is the changes in the schedules and the opponents and the game times and the dates. Uh, For example, uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but it's a Tuesday as we're recording this. And we just got word today that Northeastern's opponent this upcoming weekend will be different from the one that was originally on the schedule. So uh, we just have to be ready to adapt and, uh, you know, change with the with the changes that are taking place out there and being and be as flexible as we can right northeastern i picked up yukon so you guys are going down to stores on thursday and then you'll have them back home on saturday but rob it it creates a unique situation here and that you're going to have uneven schedules for all the teams and that creates kind of a strange situation come playoff time you know bu hasn't played a game yet so you and then you've had umass who's played i think 12 games so sort of a strange type of th- uh, mechanism we're coping with here. Yeah, there's going to be an uneven number of games. They've talked about using percentage, winning percentage, as how they're going to delineate the standings when the regular season ends, which is a great idea um, because teams will play a different number of games and play their opponents differently too. They're also going to include all of the hockey schools in the postseason, which is good. So if there are teams that played fewer games and have a lower percentage, um, figuring the percentage out is going to be another challenge. 
uh, the other, uh, our, our recent weekend, we were going over the standings and on the screen, it came up three. There was a team that was three, four, and one, and their percentage was 500. Yeah. At first, you're going to think, how is that possible? <laughs> they're not 500, <laughs> they're under. But with three points available now for each game, this you know, win gets you three. Um, we have to make that adjustment as well. Yeah, you make a great point, Rob. There's a new point structure now. You get three points for a win. If you win in overtime, you get two. Even uh, if you lose in overtime, you pick up one. And now the shootout is in play, too. So, you know, I wanted to talk to you about those those overtime uh, changes. Uh, they wanted to make it uniform across uh, college hockey. Uh, what do you think about the new overtime system in Hockey East? I like it. I think it's very exciting. And I think when fans are back in arenas watching, they're going to agree. We had the shootout briefly back in the 1990s, if I remember correctly. And it was it was fun. And now that we've been able to see it at the pro level, um, it's exciting. There was a there was a scoreless tie uh, last week in our league with Vermont and Providence. And then they played the overtime and that was scoreless. And I think they went it took them six shootout sessions. Uh, each team with six players before the, the result was in that Providence had won uh, two to one in the shootout to get that extra point. So it, I think it's exciting. The penalty shot was always one of the most exciting plays in hockey. And so now you get it repeatedly in the uh, in the shootout after the end of overtime, if there's still a tie. Now, I got to tell you, um, my color commentator at Merrimack, a guy you know very well, Mike Macknick, he's not a fan of the three on three. Uh, but I am because I, I like the fact that there's more open ice and there's more chances for uh, players to make plays. So from that angle, I think it's yeah, I think you're right. It is going to be exciting to watch. Yeah. And there's a lot of strategy, too. Uh, do you play two defensemen and a forward? Do you play two forwards and a defenseman? Uh, what kind of risks do you want to take in the offensive zone, knowing that any sort of a mishap can turn into an odd man rush or a two on none going in the other direction? Right. Uh, goaltending becomes so much more important the defense of what what might become a breakaway or a double breakaway in that instance so i i do happen to like it it goes quickly um there's scoring involved yeah no i'm i'm happy with it i don't know how the league feels about it or how college hockey in general i think we'll learn as that shakes out over the course of the the season well rob you touched on the bean pot earlier and uh you know, there will not be a bean pot this year, but, you know, I, I, I'm so, I guess, envious is the word. Uh, you get a chance to do the bean pot every year, and certainly it's something that Northeastern has had great success with uh, recently. Uh, so what are your thoughts about calling a bean pot every year and also your thoughts about, obviously, the disappointment of not having one this year? Yeah, it's a great tournament, and it's unusual. And when you Uh, talk to the players who come to the Beanpot schools. It factors in oftentimes their decision, uh, especially if they're from greater Boston and they grow up as part of that long tradition and history of the Beanpot. It's been a thrill for me to be part of it. In my early days of broadcasting with Northeastern, the Huskies won their first Beanpot in 1980, and then they won three more that decade. So after 1988, everybody at Northeastern felt like, wow, we're part of the party now. You know, we're not the fourth place team every year. Right. Uh, we've joined the group. And then, uh, you know, where they go, 30 years yeah. <laughs> before winning the next one. And now, John, they've won three in a row. And they're, uh, they'll be the reigning champion when 2022 comes around. 
Absolutely. And, you know, let's hope uh, things get back to normal and that we can get back to the garden and watch it again. Because, you know, uh, when you watch an event like the, the Bean Pot, I think having it at the garden just makes it so much more special, doesn't it? It does. And the old Boston Garden was terrific because it was so intimate. And the, uh, you know, it kind of developed that the familial uh, circumstance for families and friends and and not just the college hockey crowd, but everybody in Boston would want a ticket to that. It was terrific. And then it's working well in the new garden, too. It's more seats. It's more people. But still that, you know, the perimeter that you walk around outside the back of the, the those downstairs sections, you'll run into all sorts of folks uh, that you don't typically see. And it's still a, a tough ticket to get. It's the place to be. And with the four schools being so prominent in the game right now, if you think about how how good Harvard has been lately and Northeastern and, of course, Boston University and Boston College, who've won the most uh, bean pots all time. It's uh, it's really thrilling. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I haven't missed one in several years. I always go. I always uh, bump into you there. And boy, just just being able to watch it as a fan is, is so special. But that leads perfectly into my favorite Rob Rudnick story, Rob. I think I told you this one time, but I'm going to repeat it for our, for our listening audience. Um, I was headed into the bean pot one year and uh, I fell in my driveway and I, I really was badly injured. And I had to make the decision, do I go to the emergency room or do I try and uh, hobble my way into the bean pot? So uh, I managed to get in there and uh, I watched the first game in a lot of pain. And the second game, Northeastern was playing in the second game. And uh, the game got into, uh, went into overtime. And uh, as soon as I realized, Rob, that the game was going to be tied after three and going into overtime, the pain was so unbearable that I had to leave and, and go to the emergency room. So I hobbled down to my uh, down to the tee, and I've got my radio with me, and I'm listening to you call the overtime of the bean pot. And right before the train got there, I listened to you call the game-winning goal. So I felt as though it was a complete experience. Oh, well, thank you for listening. I'm, I remember that uh, about you, and I'm glad you, that you're okay now and you could climb the stairs up to the ninth floor of the garden to your location if you had to these days. Yeah, and, uh, you know, here I am. I'm, 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 uh, I'm worried that I have maybe a broken hip or a broken wrist, whatever. And uh, I, I caught hell, by the way, Rob. I caught hell for not going to the emergency room right away. But, you know... <laughs> When you're a hockey lifer, you know, you, 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 you grit it out sometimes, I guess. Yeah, no, that's understandable. So that's I'm glad you were glad it was a year Northeastern did well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I just had to relay that story for uh, for our listening audience. Well, Rob, let's let's get your thoughts on this Northeastern team so far. We saw you a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you put 14 goals on Merrimack uh, on that weekend. And uh, so you know, this Northeastern team seems like they're pretty solid so far. Yeah. Uh, Jim Madigan and Jerry Keefe and Mike McLaughlin, the coaches have done a great job of recruiting some of the best players that we've seen at Northeastern uh, in all the years that I've been there. They've occasionally had a star or two here and there, but lately it just seems there are more and more coming through. And this is another example. If you've been watching now, when this podcast airs, the world juniors, are going to be over, but uh, maybe some of your listeners had a chance to watch uh, Sam Colangelo play for the U.S. team or for Canada. Their starting goaltender is Devin Levi, 
and he is coming to Northeastern. Uh, he has not been there because he was part of the World Juniors and having to be in Canada, so he had, hadn't gotten into the States yet. But uh, he will, and there's expectation that uh, mid-January he'll be playing in goal for the Huskies. And what a tournament Levi has had. You know, he's had three shutouts. He's he set a uh, tournament record. And now he's got the chance to play for a gold medal tonight against uh, Team USA. And, uh, by the way, this will be aired uh, tomorrow, Rob, so we'll know the result. But how excited are you guys at Northeastern to get a player of, of uh, Levi's caliber? Very excited. Very excited. And Northeastern has had some good goaltenders lately. They had the Richter winner, Caden Primo. They had uh, Brad Thiessen, who was a star. Um but Levi, by all accounts and what the scouts say, it, it could very well pass that, uh, which would be something. Because as you know, you've had some pretty good goaltenders at Merrimack. And when you've, when you've got a goalie that can make the big save and can help you win games, uh, you really are on your way. And, you know, we had a goalie at Merrimack who wound up uh, heading to Northeastern as a grad student last year, Craig Pantano. And he had a terrific year with the Huskies last year. He did. He started every game. Good. A wonderful guy. Great teammate, you know, in the locker room. Um, very poised and solid. Really enjoyed having a Craig on the team last year. He shared in our Huskies radio award. Uh, we give one out every year to the most exciting Husky. And um, he and Zach Solo shared it last year. We had co-winners. but uh, And very happy that Craig, I believe, recently signed to play in the East Coast League. So, his pro career will continue. We're talking with Rob Rudnick. He's the radio play-by-play voice of Northeastern men's hockey. And uh, Rob, you have a chance to work with uh, one of the nicest guys in hockey East uh, behind the Northeastern bench, Jim Madigan, a guy who's been in Northeastern for a long time. Uh, he was a player there, of course. Uh, he just bleeds red and black. And, uh, you know, I've talked to him many times on our broadcast. He's been so gracious to uh, join us on, uh, on the air with, with our pregame and, uh, I wonder if you just share some thoughts about Jim and what it's like to work with him and uh, how he's turned that Northeastern program into something very special. It is special. And I knew Jim when he played and uh, when he met his wife. And we've stayed in touch all through the years, even when he was not coaching. He was doing scouting in the pros, but stayed at Northeastern and was a fundraiser. Uh, Jim Madigan's one of those guys, if he calls you up and says, we're doing something would you, you know, would you like to participate? Would you make a contribution? You say yes before asking any questions about what it is he's asking for. <laughs> you know, he's such a great guy. Uh, and I've really, it's really nice uh, that he has having this kind of success. He waited a long time for it. There were times, I think, when uh, even when he got hired, people thought, well, maybe he's been away from the game a little bit and he might not be able to coach and touch base with these young players but he's so connected and when you talk to the families of the players that he recruits you know there he knows them uh and they trust him with the with their children basically even though they're you know grown almost grown men by the time they get to northeastern um yeah it's been great and he's become the winningest coach in northeastern history and they've had some good coaches there through the years um if he stays long enough, he may pass Bernie Flamin's 256, I believe, victories all time at Northeastern. I don't know what Jim's plans are long term, but, uh, you know, not to mention, besides the wins, you got to, we talked about the three bean pots. He's at Hockey East Championships. 
They've gone to three NCAA tournaments under Jim, which is astounding. Um, they don't have all that many on their resume since the program began. I think six or seven, seven, I think they've gone to the NCAA. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been terrific uh, working with Jim. He's great. Uh, and he's been very accommodating to me, which I appreciate. As you know, we it's much better. We do our job much better when the coaches are available to us, either on or off the record, for information that can help our broadcast. And we're so lucky in Hockey East, aren't we, Rob? Really, there's there's not a bad coach in the bunch. There's, uh, we just lost a good one, Kevin Snedden, who stepped down, stepped down in Vermont. But uh, I think for the most part, when we go and interview a coach, we know we're going to get uh, we, we know we're going to get time. We're going to get uh, quality information, and I think we're very lucky in Hockey East in that regard. I agree. Yeah, I can't think of any coach that I don't want to speak with before a game or or talk with either about hockey or about their team. Um, and there's been a lot of great we've lost some great ones, too, uh, through retirement. Jack Parker was a longtime coach who was great, always had things to say, always had good comments. Dick Umilly, another who retired recently um, up at New Hampshire, who did such a great job there. So, yeah, we are we are fortunate uh at what great men these coaches are and how open they are really to allowing us into their world and to ask them the questions and have them deliver the information to us that we need. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I talked with Jack Parker for the book that I wrote about hockey. Uh, it was, we had such a wonderful conversation and we talked about the year Merrimack went to the uh, national tournament in 2010. And when we were off the air, so to speak, uh, you know, Jack told me, that uh, he felt that Merrimack was the best team in the country that year and they should have won the whole thing. So, you know, when you get uh, an opinion like that from a guy like Jack Parker, when Jack Parker talks, you know, you listen. Yep, I agree. Yep, a lot of uh, – I enjoyed – when I first started working, I called some Brookline High School uh, television, cable television games, and they played at Walter Brown. Yeah. And one of my favorite things, John, to do was to go over early, very early, when Boston University was still practicing and watch the practices with Jack Parker and the teaching <laughs> and the coaching that went on of the players then. Um, and it, yeah, very exciting. Uh, and glad that Jack uh, allowed us to do it. And I broadcast BU hockey uh, my very first couple of years uh, working hockey games in the league. So I had a chance. Uh, to be part of that BU back in the way, way old days. And how about, uh, you know, Jerry York, who has uh, eclipsed uh, every record that every college hockey coach uh, would ever have. You know, he's got the most wins, well, over a thousand. And, uh, you know, the guy just keeps going and going. Uh, certainly you'd have to make an argument that uh, he is the best that's ever done it. Yeah. Boundless energy uh, doesn't seem to be as old as he is still connects with the players uh, enjoys his time at the rink, and uh, yeah, I hope that he stays much longer. And if you and this year, you know, Boston College, as things shake down, I think you're going to see uh, that they have an elite team. In fact, they've got players in the World Juniors also, including the goalie Knight of the U.S. team, who will be coming back to play for them soon. And Boston College has once again, Jerry has recruited a terrific group there. So. But BC should be right there at the end in Hockey East. And if there's a national tournament, we hope there will be, that Hockey East will could be very well represented. That might include Boston College. Yeah, you talked about Knight, but uh, don't forget uh, Newhook from Team Canada. He is a star as well. Yep, 
and Boldy. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Good point. Yep, yep. Agreed. They're, they, they've loaded it up there. And they're doing – they've had a little time off here, coincidentally, while the juniors were playing. But they'll be back in action um, soon. And I think Northeastern is going to have Boston College coming up on the schedule soon. So right. we're going to get a firsthand look at that. Last year, Northeastern had one of their poorest games at BC. I nicknamed it the five goaltender game because you don't <laughs> see that very often. Northeastern used all three because they'd given up a lot of goals. And Boston College used two because they didn't need to worry late in the game. <laughs> well, we saw something like that yesterday with Lowell and Maine. You know, he had four goaltenders in that one. Lowell scored nine goals to beat Maine nine to five. And I was listening to uh, Bob Ellis call the game and I'm saying to myself, man, I hope Lowell uh, used up all their goals yesterday because they're coming to Lawler on Friday. And Bob, I hope that he was able to maintain his voice throughout the course of the game. He (laughs) gets very excited uh, when the puck is in the, in the offensive zone. And a side note on Bob Ellis. I'm, I first met Bob in college. Yeah, uh, we both went to Emerson College. He was a little bit ahead of me, but we became friends there. He played on the hockey team at that time. Emerson had a hockey team, so I got to know Bob a long time ago, and it's been nice to reconnect with him. Uh, you know, you talk about the coaches in the league, uh, the broadcasters too. We have our own little fraternity, and many of whom, as as you and Bob and Bernie Corbett, who I know you've interviewed for this podcast, and others, John Rich. I don't want to leave any out i'm sure i have uh you know these folks are good people and it's really fun to get to know them and to be part of the same energy of hockey east just as but we're off the ice not on the ice yeah and i think it's a testament to how close we are how you know we're we're all good friends we all understand and appreciate what we have to do at the rink uh, on a uh on a nightly basis. And I know for, from my point of view, I couldn't be more thrilled to be with the, the group of guys that we have. And it's, it's just so much fun uh, to be involved with all, with everyone. And especially guys like you and Bernie who have been there forever and Bob as well. So I, I always have the, the feeling that I learn something from you every time I see you. So it's, it's great privilege. It's very humbling for me. Well, thank you. We enjoy, I can speak, or maybe I shouldn't speak for the others. I can speak for me that I enjoy uh, listening to your broadcast as well. And I think we all pick up little things when we hear other people say, use language and words to describe things. I think we all say, hmm, you know, I might use that, or that's interesting way to, <laughs> to say that, or I like the characteristics of this broadcast because it, it contains something. So, um, and we, and that it, it's interesting that many of us have been doing this for a while. We don't lose that many uh, Dan Hannigan moved from Maine, moved away. And so he stopped working and, you know, Dan Parkhurst got involved in other things and he was up at New Hampshire for the longest time. But, uh, it's interesting that many of the broadcasters have been fortunate to stay with the schools and to stay in hockey East. I'm not sure that's all that common everywhere in the country. And we, we also have to bring up a guy down in Providence, Mike Logan, who's been doing uh, the games down there for three decades. So Mike is, uh, Mike is outstanding, and he's such a good friend. You're right, and I apologize to Mike if he's listening for, for leaving him out. Mike started at Northeastern. He attended Northeastern. I knew Mike when he was broadcasting on the student station there, and we've stayed in touch ever since. And you're absolutely right. It's fun. It seems like lately Providence has some of these uh, some day games here and there, so I get a chance to watch his broadcast before heading over to Northeastern if we have a, a night game. And uh, yeah, he is one of the, the classy guys 
a great ambassador for both Providence and college hockey. Absolutely. And, you know, I should bring up before we end this topic on the broadcasters, I have to bring up uh, one guy who's uh, very, very common to both of us. He's uh, a guy that's done work with you at Northeastern, and he works with me now at Merrimack, Mike Macknick. And uh, I call him the rink doctor because there's nothing about the game this guy doesn't know. He really is terrific. Yeah, no, I agree. We met him. He had another connection to Northeastern because that's where I first met Mike. Way back, we talked about, uh, we did a between-period inter- uh, between interview earlier this year. We talked about that 1988 year when Northeastern and Merrimack faced off in the NCAAs, and that was a two-game total goal. Boy, are we glad that those were outlawed because uh, Northeastern had the early lead. Merrimack, uh, an unlikely comeback victory but it happened and they did and they moved on and so uh, yeah mike's mike's been around the hockey rinks for a long time and he knows his stuff he sure does uh and speaking of bernie before we uh, close this topic here rob uh, bernie's going to make his 2020 21 debut this weekend bu finally going to play uh, a game they're going to play two against providence this weekend and uh, i haven't talked to bernie for a while but i can imagine that he is just out of his skin ready to broadcast the hockey game. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, I've been in touch with Bernie, and he he also calls Harvard football. So he lost that when there was no football this year, and he hasn't been able to begin hockey yet, uh, but he will this week. If Fingers crossed, uh, Boston University is going to be able to play. Uh, another Northeastern connection there, Albie O'Connell, their head coach. Yeah. Uh, was an assistant coach at Northeastern for a bit when Greg Cronin was the head coach, uh, like Albie a lot and, and wish him the well. That's a tough, that's a tough seat because a lot of his, a lot is expected at Boston university, but they've recruited some great kids. This Trevor Zegris, I think is going to be a really good pro. And uh, I, I heard Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe BU is playing their games with Walter Brown. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So they won't, we, when Northeastern plays there and Merrimack plays there, we won't be permitted to go into the arena to call games. But Walter Brown's a great little 3,000-ish seat stadium for those who may not be familiar with it because they've been at Aganis for a while. And the broadcast booth is in the end zone. And so when I began working in uh, hockey on radio, it's really a good way to start if you're broadcasting from an end zone because when the players are coming at you, if there's no number on the front of the uniform, you've <laughs> really got to pay attention to who they are. You got to watch the players as they hop over the, the bench onto the ice, so you know who's on the ice. And um, yeah, it's tough. But Walter Brown's a great rink to broadcast from. I'm sorry we won't be able to get there this year. Yeah, I did a high school game there many years ago, and that's to this day the only time I've ever been there. BU was playing at Aganis when I first started, so. Uh, uh, you know, interesting times for sure. But, you, Rob, I got to ask you about the uh, the uh, line charts at Northeastern. And you had a role, right, at one time making those numbers on the line charts huge <laughs> for the broadcasters to read. Maybe you could just tell, fill us in on that story real quick. Well, I'm, I, I like things a certain way when I'm broadcasting. And I, what I would tell the – and I'm not sure who this was now because it's got to go back 30 years that um, – what's the use of doing the line chart if the numbers aren't large enough? I mean, that's what we really need to see. If there's some number or some player that we haven't 
memorized. And usually we know the players' names and numbers before the game begins. But if you have to take a quick glance down at a line chart, it's the number you're looking at. Find that number easily. So uh, they did it. And then they've just carried on the tradition through. And I, I you know, Bill Doherty was probably the first one. And, and Adam Polgreen and John Litchfield and uh, Mark Majewski and Matt Hood and now Sky Kirstein. Um, and I probably left a few out in the middle. But anyway, they've been great. And some of the, uh, the you know, most of the line charts are pretty good in hockey. East. You know, in the pros in the NHL, they don't have line charts. Oh, yeah. Right. Interesting. Well, uh, I'm, I'm always grateful for you for that, because uh, like you said, it's the instant identification that you're looking for. And uh, that's that's a great thing. Well, the, the other thing with numbers, sorry to interrupt, is the numbers on the uniform jerseys that the players wear. And I've been uh, fortunate enough to have been allowed to participate with Northeastern through their equipment managers. And they've got a great one right now, Robert Mora. Um, and so if you watch a Northeastern hockey game, whether it be on television or in the stands or on your computer or on your little iPhone, you should be able to see clearly the number on the back of the player sweater and not every school gets that right some make it very difficult for us to be able to see those numbers so that's one of those things i guess i'm known i guess uh, as the numbers guy out there somewhere <laughs> along the way just trying to help out well well i noticed you you guys are wearing the red uniforms on the road uh, is that going to be consistent throughout the year well i think there may be a black a uniform coming at some point. I'm not sure if I'm permitted to divulge that, but Northeastern typically does have a black uh, top and a red top and a white top. And this year uh, they've begun with the red. I think somewhere along the line, you may see uh, a black top that has a Husky on the front and Northeastern yeah. and numbers on the back that you'll be able to easily read. But the red ones, the fans seem to like uh, the red. That's great, Rob. That, that's great. Uh, we, I, I love the black ones myself, but, but it's all good. Let me, let, me, let me finish up with one question here, Rob. The uh, pairwise this year, you can pretty much throw that out the window. Uh, the NCAA needs a new approach. Uh, do you think they'll figure something out, or will we have a national tournament? You know, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I, you're right that this year they may have to use, for the first time in a long time, human opinion to determine the national tournament. One of the great things, in my opinion, about college hockey lately is that there are no arguments or should be no arguments or discussions about who should get in and who shouldn't get in because it's all a mathematical equation, Every, the pairwise. Everybody knows and they go by it and they use it and they accept it. And that's the way it is. So that's been terrific, but this year, with some schools playing and some not, and some schools playing more games than others and only playing certain opponents and not others, uh, opinion may come into it this year if there is a national tournament. I hope there is one. I hope that uh, there will not be so severe a restriction at that time that the seasons will have to come to an end after they play their schedule in their own league. And we knew it was going to be a very strange league when the Ivy League canceled uh a long time ago they were the first to pull out and you know that gave us an idea of how serious this whole uh, situation is 
Yeah, no, there's no question that it is serious. And I'm sure that the athletics directors and the university presidents are grappling with this all the time. The most important thing is trying to take care of the safety of these uh, student athletes. And on the other side, they want their lives to continue. You know, it's only a short span of time. And they put a lot of effort into the practices and they want to try to play games. They're wearing masks. They're socially distancing. They're giving up an on-campus student life that they normally would be partaking of. So uh, it's a give and take, but we, but everybody needs to stay healthy and think of the bigger uh, goal here, which is to get through the pandemic. And then, you know, college hockey life will be hopefully uh, resemble what it was before. Well, Rob, I can't thank you enough for uh, spending some time with us here today. Uh, Merrimack and Northeastern are not playing each other anymore this year. There's no bean pot. Uh, hopefully, maybe we'll get a chance to see each other in the postseason with all 11 teams getting in. Uh, of course, we won't know uh, that for a while, but I'm so grateful for your friendship, Rob. I'm, I'm grateful that you uh, chose to spend some time with us today, and I know our listeners are going to love it, and I can't thank you enough, and uh, be well and be safe. John, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to join you. Thank you for inviting me. Take care. Happy New Year to you and all the, all the listeners out there. All right. Uh, thanks so much, Rob. That's Rob Rudnick. He's the radio play-by-play voice, the longtime radio play-by-play voice of the Northeastern Huskies. We will return next week with another episode on the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning Mitochondrial disease is a rare multi-symptom disease characterized by breakdowns in the mitochondria, which are specialized compartments that are present in every cell of the body except red blood cells and are responsible for creating more than 90% of the energy needed by the body to sustain life and support growth. A disease most commonly associated with children, currently there is no cure, just management of symptoms. Hugs for Mito Inc. is mitochondrial disease, rare disease advocacy, awareness, fundraising for research trials, and hopefully a cure. To learn more, please visit hugsformito.org.